Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Wild and Crazy Nights! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in another corner! We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Fluce? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. The voice is back. I like the John Fox voice for a little bit. It was fun. Well, I haven't even gone back. I'm like too scared to even go back and listen to it. Because I sounded horrible on Sunday. You sounded like John Fox. And then thanks to Kevin for filling in Tuesday because I really just had no voice at all at that point. I don't and know then, if people could tell during Hogan Johns on Sunday, our post-game show, like I was losing the voice because I had already done two shows for CHGO at that point, and f- those were three-man shows, and I wasn't driving. So like I was kind of getting away with not having to talk too much. And then when we did ours, I was by the end of that, I had to cut the episode at the end because I was like, I can't talk anymore. So how'd you fix it? lot of this just i've been tea? just drinking tea mint honey lemon apple cider vinegar some salt lozenges water, constant lozenges it's like literally all i've been doing since and i had some tea during our show too that day but yeah it was completely gone monday basically still gone tuesday but we're good to go now I just got to keep it calm tomorrow night when Carmel <laughs> plays Vider. <laughs> no, it's gone. You can't whisper on the sidelines. Yeah, but I still have to be able to do shows. When you Sundays. got 10 guys on the field because the one guy's like tying his shoe or he's not paying attention, you're not going to be like, hey, Johnny. There's always somebody. There's always somebody not paying attention. And then as soon as you have an injury or two in the middle of the game, your whole special teams depth chart changes. That's why like... When people watch games and they're like, how the hell could you only have 10 players on the field on that field goal? Or how do you have 12? That's where it comes from. Usually yeah, injuries. Yeah, the injury that players aren't following on the sideline. Because sometimes they're usually in their own positional meetings. I get it. Yeah, it's it's tough on special teams. I have more sympathy than I used to for all that nonsense going on. Anyway, um, appreciate everyone reaching out. Uh, people reached A lot of people reached out. People either were just like, hey, man, sorry you lost your voice. A lot of people had advice, which I appreciated. You know, try, hey, try this, try this, and then uh, other people just wanted John Fox impressions, <laughs> which which is which is fine too. Just don't flop it out there and expect to perform like that. I'm somewhere uh, a mix of all three of those. And uh, Carlos Santos. I mean, that's literally how it sounded on Sunday. That is the Bears kicker. Um, 
It's good to have you back. Yeah. Kevin anyway, th- is now out with a cold, so thanks for that. I, I, oh, okay. Well, thanks for that. I haven't seen Kevin in a week and a half. <laughs> I didn't do that. Unless there's some like way that, you know. I, also, I was never sick. I actually went to the doctor Monday. And she's like, no, you just blew out your voice. So, I don't know. Whatever. I'm good to go now. It's Packers week. Let's do it. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, look at us with our obvious shirts on today. Beer drinking football, guys. We're like twins. You drink some beer to wet the palate a little bit there? All right. Let me be honest, though. I think Monday night. Yeah, because it was the while the Broncos. Broncos Seahawks, that yeah. wonderful game that. The- Which was a whole. <laughs> you imagine me. Screaming at the television at Nathaniel Hackett, but with no voice. Just do your Peyton Manning impression. And my wife is calling just like, 75 timeouts in 30 seconds. Stop getting so mad about this. Save your voice. Okay, but where I was going with that is I finally during that game was like, you know what? Screw this. Enough with the tea. I'm pouring an old fashioned. And I had two old fashions Monday night. Woke up Tuesday and the voice started coming back. Not a coincidence. You know, I was watching. I saw the Manning cast uh, of the, that final, I don't know, minute, have you, <laughs> 30 seconds as, as it ticked off the clock. It kind of made you appreciate what Matt Eberflus did to, to, prepare, to prepare himself for actually coaching an NFL football game, did it not? Yeah. Although, I mean, it's been one game and they were in control in the final. I, like, I'm just saying, there's going to be moments. There's moments for every. It's hard. I mean,. It is hard. It's just, it's not hard to know that you should go for it on fourth and five when you have a 64-yard field goal in a stadium where no one's ever kicked more than a 54-yarder. You should have notes on that. Just crazy. That was that was bad for Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I like I like Shannon Sharp's reaction. Kick what? Kick what? <laughs> I, was, I was dying laughing. <laughs> laughing silently, of course, but... That was hilarious. And he almost Kick. made it, though, too. <laughs> I should add that to our soundboard. Kick what? <clears throat> See, I still got to stop doing that. that then I Hurt. feel the strain. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, make sure you're reading us. John says a good piece up today on The Athletic on Lucas Patrick with some good quotes from Aaron Rodgers in there. A little hat tip to our guy, Matt Schneidman, who's going to join us momentarily. He covers the Packers for The Athletic. You can read me at allchgo.com. The uh, lack of showtime on Monday and Tuesday gave me even more time to go through the film. So a lot of stuff in there in my newsletter, my Bears Things newsletter, on things I saw from the coaches' film. Um, I did hear Kevin had some conspiracy theories on how I was watching film. He was very concerned about that. Yeah. He was texting me too. No, oh, I know he was. He yeah. was he was texting me screenshots of your text messages. Well, I purposely so it was one of those where I left him hanging for like an hour on purpose because <laughs> I could tell how anxious I, he was. About I like it. that. He, he's a teammate. He's a good friend. Yeah. But I like that tact. Yeah, I'm gonna come clean. I saw his text immediately. <laughs> how are you watching the film? And I'm like, and then an hour later, I responded. You didn't really, really respond. You just gave like. A gift. A gift. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just, it was fun. Uh, all right, well, let's see. We got Packers stuff to talk about. Hey, before we get to Schneidman, any um, 
takeaways from Eberflus, Justin Fields yesterday. I, I find it interesting that, that the Flus doesn't um he's not hyping up Packer week, at See, least publicly. He, he probably is. Yeah, that's what okay, thank you. That's my take. My take is he is just publicly downplaying it. I think inside that building, they they are definitely putting it in Oh, oh well, one hundred percent. And and I think this is one of those things where if they win on Sunday, you're going to get that video from the locker room that the Bears put out where like it's very clear that how much that win yes, mattered. Yes, yes, yes. I think Justin Fields made it clear like how much this moment matters to him. Playing in playing Aaron Rodgers, national television, primetime game. It means something to him just in terms of his career and making taking that next step you know, in his development. Like you got to win these moments. You got to beat the best sometimes. I think Justin Fields, at least the vibe I got from him, is embracing it. I love what Cole Komet said too. He's like, "Yo, I'm from here, man. This game means a lot to me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now he may have been talking about Viator Carmel, but is that this week? Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Cole's brothers on on the team. Oh. So yeah. I, I talked to Cole about St. Vider a little bit because he is following because Notre Dame plays them next week. Oh. We talked about a bet. Maybe you should get in that locker room and place your own. I think that would be illegal since I'm on the coaching staff, but. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's high school football. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I don't know if there's rules about that. But I don't want to find out, so I'm good. Um, all right. Well, here it is. You got the Bears. They're feeling good after the win. Packers in the exact opposite situation. They were just bad. They got thoroughly beat from start to finish um, against the against the Vikings last week. Now, they're probably still the better team. They're going to be at home. It's their home opener at Lambeau Field. So it's kind of evens things out, except if you're speaking of betting, Vegas, nine and a half point favorites. The Packers are. I think I have it as 10 Wow! in our games. It's crazy. All right, well, let's find out what's really going on with the Packers. Everything that went wrong last week, what's going to change this week. There's some injury stuff we got to pay attention to. Matt Schneidman is our guy for the Packers and the Athletic. Let's bring him in. All right, let's bring in our guy, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the Athletic. It is football season. It is Packer week. It is good to have Matt back on the pod. What's going on, Matt? How are you guys? It's great to be back. The Packers, Bears, smell is in the air here in Green Bay. and That's brats, right? It's an undefeated Chicago Bears versus a completely defeated Green Bay Packers. Right. Uh, how about that? <laughs> I don't know we know how this time. plays out, though. Yeah, I don't know. When's the last meeting when the Bears were undefeated and the Packers had yet to win a game? That's a good question. This is yeah. only my fourth year covering the Packers, <laughs> so not during my time. <laughs> well, actually, not during ours. Actually, either. actually, the the uh, 2019 season opener. They were both zero and zero, so technically they were both defeated okay. and undefeated. Technically, sure. You know, <laughs> that Packers win actually. You know, instead of going zero and one, the Bears felt like zero and sixteen. After yeah. the way that played out for, I think the Matt Packers might have felt that way too with how ugly that game was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the conversation here, Matt. So you have the Packers, you know, zero and one. Aaron Rodgers didn't play that well, but the conversation here in Chicago is how absurdly good 
Rodgers happens to be after such duds, after such losses. So this is from our friend Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times. Rodgers is 8-0 with 22 touchdown passes and no interceptions after the loss in the last three seasons. So does he do it again? What's the vibe from the team after that loss? Yeah, I think so. I think this is a must-win game as must-win as games can get in week two of the season. You can't start 0-2, especially in the division. Um, there is still kind of the feel of, okay, this is Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears on Sunday night football at Lambeau Field, um, kind of that intangible aspect of it. I think the the Packers win by a touchdown, but listen – I don't know if there's the same, okay, they can get it turned around in the snap of a finger as there was last year after they lost to the Saints 38-3 to in week one. They don't have the, the Devontae Adams um, just to, you know, magically fix things. They might not have David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. We don't know if Alan Lazard's going to play. They were all limited in practice yesterday. Uh, Bakhtiari and Jenkins pretty much practiced all last week and then didn't play. The Packers could very much rest them again. The offensive line wasn't great. So uh, I think the vibe is that uh, it's the Bears will get a bounce back win, but they got to be careful because uh, this could very easily, maybe not very easily, but uh, possibly realistically be an 0-2 Packers team waltzing into Tampa Bay in week three, and then they could be in some serious trouble. So I think this is a game that has everyone's attention here in Green Bay, and not that they don't take every – Packers Bears game seriously although some guys probably don't around here but I think I think there's a a heightened sense of urgency here with this one just based on how last week went Matt when I was uh, driving home Sunday I was listening to the end of the Packer Viking game uh, and of course you know love Wayne Larrabee but I had to go Paul Allen just because he's so crazy so I was (laughs) I was listening to the Vikings broadcast and uh Pete Bursich, their analyst, was he kept mentioning how Rodgers didn't look right. Like he just, it, this was late in the fourth quarter. And he just, I don't know at that point how many times he had been hit or what. I know the offensive line struggled, like you mentioned, but um, I don't know. When I went back and watched the game, I was like, okay, I don't know. I, I, how did how did you feel like Rodgers came out of that game health wise? It doesn't sound like there's any major issues, but did he look okay in the fourth quarter to you? Yeah, I mean, health-wise, he came out of it fine. He got banged up, I believe, when he fumbled the ball on their first drive of the third quarter. He got tackled by, like, three different dudes at the same time and hard. And then he was getting his neck checked out on the sideline, just, like, stretched out, really. Nothing nothing major. He didn't miss any snaps because of the injury. I mean, Jordan Love came in and played, a, played the last drive because they were losing by so much. But, um, listen, when you're under constant duress because you're down your two best offensive linemen – you're not going to look settled. And that was the case. And I thought Rodgers held on to the ball for too long. Sometimes he admitted to making a couple dumb decisions, you know, chucking one up for Randall Cobb against Harrison Smith down the middle of the field with like 30 seconds left in the first half that Harrison Smith went up and got and picked off. He called that a dumb interception, holding on to the ball on that fumble uh, to start the third quarter. He called that one, not a good decision. So it's not often Rodgers straight up comes out and says, that was dumb by me. He did that several times. And yes, it's not all his fault. Surely it was a little bit, but like their offensive line was inexperienced. Their wide receivers weren't experienced. And it just kills everything really when 
your second round pick drops a walking 75 yard touchdown on the first play of the season. And as cliche as it is, that was kind of a foreshadowing for everything to come. Like at that moment, you knew, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go right for the Packers today. Yeah. How different is that game? If Christian Watson catches that ball and I, I guess like, how does Rogers handle this? We, we've heard him complain about his rookie receivers before, like this year, a few years ago, like, how does this sit well, or how does this sit with with Rodgers? Yeah, it was funny because I did a, a live Q and A with with our subscribers on Friday, and I was asked how many touches I thought Romeo Dobbs was going to get. I said I really think Rodgers is going to bomb one to him deep on maybe the first drive of the game. If he catches it, he'll have eight catches for one fifty and two touchdowns. And if he drops it, he's never going to look to him again. I just had the the rookie receiver wrong. It was Christian Watson, first play of the game. You guys know how it is in Minnesota. We we were behind the play, kind of in the the back left corner of that end zone. Steps up in the pocket. I was like, oh, no, here it comes. Bombs one to Christian Watson. It looked long, but he's super fast. Burned Patrick Peterson, had about three to four yards on him, literally right through his hands. That would have made it 7-7 if if Mason Crosby made the extra point, which after last year is not a given, but – he didn't go back to Watson for a couple quarters, but he said yesterday, look, Watson, and he was he was grouping Dobbs in this too. He's a good kid. He's going to learn it. Rodgers is way more fine with drops than he is mental mistakes. And he didn't single out Watson for making mental mistakes, but he said on offense, we had way too many of those on Sunday, whether it's wrong routes, uh, not being able to make the pre-snap adjustments, like the mental stuff is what ticks him off really. Uh, but Drops, listen, he's had to deal with Marquez Valdez-Scantling the last couple of years. And with these speedy deep threat guys, at least in the beginning of their careers, you got to take the the bad with the good because next time he goes to Watson, and Watson said this, he said after or before Sunday, he would have said he makes that play 100 out of 100 times. Now he says he makes it 99 out of 100 times. So they're going to go back to him. They need to. They don't really have anybody else who can stretch the field like that. And and I think Watson has a quarterback who still has confidence in him, maybe a little bit less, but still a good amount. Uh, Matt, this is a week where I kind of hate that we have to make our picks on Thursday morning um, because I feel like the tackle situation for the Packers with yeah. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins is kind of a, a big deal. So let me ask a two-part question. What is your gut at this point on if they come back this week and understanding that there's still a couple days of practice and you don't know for sure. But what does your gut tell you? Because you've been following, especially this Bakhtiari thing now for like two years. And then the second part though is let's say they are back. Is it a for sure thing that they finish the game? How effective are they? I mean, what's your feeling on all that? Yeah. My gut has not known what to think about Bakhtiari for the last year. So I'm hesitant to, tell you what my gut feels now. My gut says he doesn't play just because I've been programmed to think, oh, he's just not going to play. He very well could, but if if gun to my head, I would say he doesn't play. Look, Elton Jenkins is not even 10 months out from his ACL tear. Like he's way ahead of schedule. He started doing, he came off the pub list a couple weeks ago, started doing team drills last week, I believe. Um, so if he doesn't play, I don't think there's a, as much or nearly as much of a cause for concern as if Bakhtiari doesn't play. He got that third surgery this off season, I believe right before OTAs and he's still not playing, but they both practiced this week. 
it's drastically different if they play. They were the left side of the NFC Pro Bowl offensive line in 2020, and now Jenkins is playing right tackle. So those are two Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber offensive tackles when they're at their best. My gut tells me that they won't be on like a rotation or, or a snap counter or whatever if they do play. The question is, what level are they going to be at? David Bakhtiari has played 27 snaps since 2020, and that was just the meaningless Week 18 game last year against the Lions before he re-aggravated that injury. He made five straight all-pro teams from 16 to 20. I don't know if he's going to be at that level. Jenkins, I don't know if he's going to be at that Pro Bowl level. So I, I think, listen, I still think the Packers win if they don't play but maybe by a field goal instead of a touchdown or two. And this is where you insert that Jim Carrey gift from Dumb and Dumber, right? Like, so you're, yeah. you're, you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. With Luke Getze on your side, any offense has a chance. Well, let's stick with Getze. That's part of the, the side storylines here, right? The, the Bears have former Packers, Luke Getze. Lucas Patrick, I have a story up on him right now, and thank you for asking Aaron Rodgers about him. Equinemius St. Brown had a touchdown catch in week That's one. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> so what do you make of the, the former Packers, you know, kind of helping out the Bears right now? Yeah, I mean, there are a few coaches in this building. I say in this building, Lambeau Field. I'm in my studio apartment right now, so not this building, but um, that had more respect than Luke Getze. He not only was a, a close confidant to Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years as his position coach, but he was the wide receivers coach here in 2016 and 2017, which were the first two years Devontae Adams really broke out. You know, Devontae got off to a really, really tough start to his career with drops, injuries, not getting on the field, lack of production in 14 and 15. And last year, I remember unprompted when talking about kind of his growth, everyone was writing that story of how Devontae became the best receiver in the league. And he unprompted credited Getze for, for really getting him going in 16 and 17. So it's not just the quarterbacks that he has his footprint on in the offense. And and Rodgers talked yesterday about uh, just what Getze meant to him, and he was really complimentary of him. You mentioned, you know, I asked Rodgers about Patrick. Lucas Patrick, as as you guys probably know by now, I say you guys listeners of this show, um, came to the Packers in 2016 as a tryout player. He wasn't even signed as an undrafted free agent. And then he went from that to being on the practice squad his whole rookie year. And one of my favorite Lucas Patrick stories ever, and I'll always remember this because the Packers beat the Cowboys in Arlington in week five in 2019. And and then all pro center, Corey Lindsley, now with the Chargers. And Lucas had to come in in the middle of that game because Corey Lindsley had a back injury. And there were a couple snaps that looked like direct snaps to Aaron Jones. But Aaron Rodgers kind of looked thrown off by them. And after the game, I asked Rodgers, you know, were those intentional? And he kind of chuckled and said, no, those weren't like little jitters for Lucas. But then he told a story about how uh, during camp, he had a one-on-one talk with Lucas at lunch and Lucas was kind of down on himself, wasn't really believing in himself. And Rodgers kind of gave him that jolt of confidence. uh, And and he was really proud of how Lucas stepped in against the Cowboys in a tough road environment. Then the next day, back when we had locker room, we do now, but before the two-year break, couple of us went up to Lucas and he told us this awesome story about how on cut down weekend in 2017, uh, he had just spent a whole season on the practice squad. He was driving out of the player's lot at Lambeau field with his mom. And he didn't know if he was ever going to come back to Lambeau field or ever drive back. Cause he didn't know if he was going to make the team. And he hears a knock on, on his mom's side of the window and he looks over and it's Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think he had ever really talked to Rodgers before, you know, the starting quarterback 
and this practice squad offensive lineman who never gets any run, his mom rolls down the window and Rogers kind of says, you know, you should be proud of your son. Just wanted to introduce myself. He's done a great job. I've seen him. And that right there is what gave Patrick the confidence kind of, okay, maybe I do belong in this league. Maybe I will be back here. And he hadn't left until the Bears signed him in free agency. So Rogers said yesterday, I know it's in your story, go check it out, um, that you know he's just the consummate teammate. He's one of his favorite come-up stories in 18 years of guys that have been his teammates. Great locker room guy, really tough worker. St- went from that tryout player to a starting caliber guy at three different positions on the offensive line. Uh, so I'm sure Bears fans already like what they have in him, but we'll continue to. And then Equinemi is St. Brown. He already tied his touchdown catches from his four years with the Packers. I mean, he didn't play in 2019 because of an ankle injury, but three seasons, one touchdown catch, one game, one touchdown catch. He's on pace for a lot more with the Bears. Okay, but let me ask you about him because that's sort of been why this whole, basically since training camp started, he has been the clear-cut number two wide receiver for the Bears, partly because a couple guys got banged up. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, then he backs it up with a big touchdown catch on Sunday. And I've been, my whole thing has been like, okay, this guy was in Green Bay forever. He looks the part. He's big. But the production was never there. You've seen a lot more of him than we have at this point. I mean, do you think that just with this bigger opportunity with the Bears that it could actually click? Or are our hesitations here warranted that, like, come on, why, why, why is he just going to break out? But obviously, Getsy likes him. That, that's why he's here. Uh, I don't know if I've seen more of him than you have. We might have seen the equal <laughs> amount at this point. Listen, he, he is tremendously physically gifted. I mean, his dad was a world champion bodybuilder. Um, He has the athletic gifts. The Packers just didn't really have a a spot for him. You know, Lazard came on and broke out more than him. They had Cobb last year. They obviously had Devontae. You know, a couple years ago, it was, they even had Geronimo Allison above him on the depth chart. I don't know where he is right now. Maybe still with the Lions, but um, he had one touchdown catch last year. And then last year when he was healthy, they kind of used him on on jet sweep stuff, reverse stuff out of the backfield. And it worked a couple times, but um, whether it was for, you know, lack of playbook knowledge or, you know, lack of Rodgers trust in him, I think Rodgers liked them. They just never really found a spot in the offense for him. I think maybe it is a, a bigger opportunity. It's, it's cliche, but sometimes it's just a change of scenery. And you have a, a offensive coordinator there in Chicago who knows what he's capable of. It's why you see the Broncos signing, you know, former Packers tight ends because their OC is the former Packers tight ends coach under Hackett now. It's just sometimes these guys need a change of scenery, change of depth chart standing to get what they need. And listen, if EQ catches a touchdown against the Packers on Sunday night, I will not be surprised in the slightest. Just how I thought, I I don't think this ever actually happened, but I was, you know, convinced Jimmy Graham would catch a touchdown for the Bears against the Packers because he really did nothing here. I don't think that ever happened, but... Um, listen, if EQ's a, a number two wide receiver, that's a better opportunity than he's ever got. And sometimes all you need is a chance. So you're telling us he's going to be as wide open as Justin Jefferson was. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> so yeah. what's going on there? Like that's a storyline coming out of week one for the oh, Bears. Yeah. Like that's all I've written about. Yeah. Take yeah so what it. happened? Cause yeah. the bears obviously have Darnell Mooney, who's not Justin Jefferson, but he's, you know, pretty solid wide receiver in the in the yeah. in the NFL and Darnell only had one catch last week for a variety of reasons including the weather but I mean are the is there something there where the Bears can get 
Darnell Mooney a lock this week because of whatever happened with Jefferson last week? Yeah, just put him on the opposite side of Jair Alexander, and Jair won't follow him. Um, at least if the Packers go by their game plan last week. I mean, I, Rob Domovsky and I talked to Jair after the game in Minnesota, and he said all week leading up to the game, he was asking to follow Justin Jefferson. This is the highest paid cornerback in NFL history, who they gave $20 million, $21 million a year this offseason. Um and is a top three guy in the league at his position, maybe higher than that. And he really never stuck with Jefferson. Um, Jefferson kind of abused Eric Stokes, their, their 2021 first-round pick, who had a good rookie season, but he's Justin Jefferson, and Eric Stokes is Eric Stokes. You know, the, the word since that day has been, well, it's easy to just say, have your best corner follow the best receiver if you want to change the whole structure of your defense. And and it would be easy if we just played man the whole time, but that's not what we do. And more so than just the the strategic flaws in not just not having Jair follow Justin Jefferson, but not putting on him entirely. Like the Vikings did a really good job of putting Jefferson in motion. There were a couple snaps in the first half where Jefferson started on Jair's side, but then motioned across the formation and Jair didn't follow him. And that's by design. Uh, and But more so, more concerning than that was just the egregious, communication breakdowns in the Packers secondary one that's supposed to be this dominant secondary with, with continuity with Stokes, Douglas, uh, Jair, Amos, Savage. And it was like, guys were missing their assignments. Guys weren't following the receivers in motion when they should have been, you know, on Jefferson's second touchdown, the clips, I don't know if it's gone viral, but he catches the ball uh, around the 19 yard line after running a deep crosser because Jair, doesn't follow him across the field on a deep over when he should have, because Jair said we were in zone, uh, but they were not, they were in man apparently. And Jefferson catches and it kind of takes a juke back. And after the game, he said, yeah, I took that kind of step back first because I thought someone would be right behind me. There was no one in the same zip code as him. Then he prances right through an Adrian Amos tackle. Your listeners will love to hear this. Amos played, I thought terribly on Sunday. Um, so secondary has got to get some stuff figured out. Definitely opportunities for Darnell Mooney, although I'm sure everyone will agree he's not the caliber of Justin Jefferson. But listen, if the Packers are going to just let number one wide receivers run free, there's no reason Mooney can't have a big day on Sunday night. There's a pessimistic vibe here, man. Yeah. That's that that we're not. Well, there will be it. when they play as poorly <laughs> as they did last weekend. Yes. So how are you feeling about this one? Uh, I think you, you've said it a few times. You think it'd be close. Packers by a field goal, maybe by. A touchdown. Like, what are some of the strengths that the Packers have, despite all that ugliness in, in Week One? And you know, how does this play out for you? Yeah, something they got to do, and something I think they will do, is give their running backs the ball more. You have arguably the best one-two running back punch in the NFL, and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, Matt Lafleur lamented after the game and on Monday. Uh, that they only got their running backs 23 touches combined. And Aaron Jones only had eight touches. You know, he's one of the most explosive playmakers in the league. He has eight touches, nine and a half yards a touch. So it wasn't like he was getting stuffed every time. Like AJ Dillon had 15 touches. He was their leading receiver, ran, averaged over four yards a carry. Like this isn't the same Packers offense that we've all been watching for the last 15 years. This isn't something where Aaron Rodgers can, maybe he can, but until he has that trust in his rookie receivers and the Sammy Watkins and the Robert Tunyon coming off the ACL, you know, this isn't a team that probably can just blow anyone away behind the arm of Aaron Rodgers. They have to ride their running backs. 
Give them the ball more on the ground. That's something Rodgers and LaFleur have both said need to be done more. You know, they've played Dylan and Jones on the field at the same time or plan to play them on this field at the same time more than the 24 snaps they saw together last year. Like they think that can unlock a lot for this offense. So I think the Packers win and it's because they lean into maybe this new offensive identity that they have of run first, running backs first, instead of Rodgers and receivers first. Um, it, that could change later in the season, but for now you got to ride your running backs. And I think the defense doesn't have a complete breakdown like last, last week, which is why I say 24, 17 Packers. I'll stick with 24, 17, regardless of if Jenkins and Bakhtiari play or not, just because I don't know how effective they'll be if they do play. All right. One more for you though, because this is a matchup where I actually get to ask about special teams. Does Rich yes. Passaccia have this thing fixed? Don't laugh at me. That's the downfall of the Packers season last year. Did they get this, did they get it fixed? Not yet. You know, Matt LaFleur said that they were really leaky in punt protection. And but we got a punter here. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Pat O'Donnell, he got it those off really quickly and punted it really well. LaFleur was really complimentary of the job he did because there were a couple of protection breakdowns. Um the the gunner they just signed from the Jaguars, Rudy Ford, who's supposedly one of the best gunners in the league, had Jalen Rager wrapped up for a loss of like seven yards on one punt return and just let him go for an extra 13, 15 yards. So there are a couple things to be ironed out, but no absolute disasters, which is an improvement for Packers special teams because, as you guys remember, the game at Lambeau Field against the Bears, they, they let – uh, Jakeem Green, I believe, kind of dance around right on his own end zone, then returned the one for 97 yards. The Packers kick returner caught the ball, then stepped out at the five-yard line. They were horrible. The Bears, reco- yeah. the Bears recovered an onside kick that game, I believe. Like That was just a laundry list of errors, and obviously everyone remembers what happened in the 49ers game in the playoffs, defending Ro- Robbie Gould's game-winning attempt with only 10 players on the field. So yeah. uh, there was one preseason game this year where the Packers had – 12 guys on the field and then another on the next drive where they had 10 on special teams. But Hey, Rich Passaccia has got some good sayings that the guys like. So listen, he can do all the rah, rah talk he wants. If they don't get this thing fixed, it won't matter. Week one was, I guess a positive step in the right direction, but still not promising. And the 49er special teams coordinator in that game, Richard Hightower. Now the bears special teams coordinator. Telling you, might make a difference on Sunday. All right. Yeah, it might. Matt, appreciate you, man. Great work as always. Uh, thank you for jumping on with us, and uh, see you Sunday. Appreciate you guys. See you Sunday. Thanks, Matt. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. 
Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, great stuff from Matt. Johnsy, you take it from here, baby. Three big questions, Adam Hogue. Number what one. happened when you were like three big questions? Three big questions. I don't want to strain my voice. Yeah, don't. It's the worst. I'm good. Number one, what concerns you most about the Bears' defense, this brand-new Eberflus defense, Allen Williams, defensive coordinator, versus Aaron Rodgers this week? Go Bears. Um, I think it's just the same concerns that you always have against Rodgers. Like, I don't know that the, the scheme makes a difference. He just, you know there's going to be two or three plays in the game where he burns you deep. It's like, it's every Bears game. It happens. There is that 40-yard bomb downfield. Even when things are going well. Like, I feel like most games the Bears play the Packers well defensively. And then there's point. just... Yeah, to a point, and then there's just then there's that big weakness. We saw it last year in Green Bay when when you know things are going well, but then they found out oh if we just move Devontae Adams into the slot, Jalen Johnson isn't going to cover him cover him there, and then it was just like bam, 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 bam. Yep. Okay. And that's Duke Shelley. Packers win. <laughs> yeah, that's my concern too. Similar uh, when you saw Kyler Gordon. Who I think is going to be a very good rookie, get beat deep. I think the Packers take note of that. Yeah. Can you turn him around with Christian Watson? Could you stretch the field, rookie versus rookie? And then you got Kendall Vildor out there when Gordon slides into the slot. I think Aaron Rodgers knows him quite well. But what I just brought up from last year is the exact thing that the Packers are lacking without Adams. You know, they they don't have that. Even if Lazard's out there. I mean, Alan Lazard's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. We're not talking about like a broken play. We're talking about those scheme shots, though. Yeah. Yeah. You get the one-on-one single coverage, and it's speed versus whomever you want to cover that speed. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, like, I know they want to get the running game going. I thought the Bears were fine against the run last week. I think the way that they're swarming. You know, there's an argument it could be even better this week because I think... I think this is one of those weeks where you're like you're feeling really good about your performance, and then you get in the film room Monday and you realize, oh shit, those loafs are still gonna be. They're still grading you really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the whole point of it. If okay, I had great. another, if I had another concern, it's like Roquan Smith and Nicholas Morrow versus AJ Dillon and Aaron and um, why am I blanking on the other running back's name? You know what I'm talking Aaron about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Yeah. Aaron Jones could be a matchup problem. You mean out of the backfield? The out of the backfield. Game? Out yeah. of the backfield, moving into the slot, finding that single coverage, option routes. Could be a problem. Number two. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. All right, Matt. Number two. How will Justin Fields handle this moment this year as opposed to last year? I think he handles it well. I go back to that Monday night game in Pittsburgh last year. Um, one of his better games. 
the circumstances of I'm trying to remember when was the game last year in Green Bay? It was later in the year, right? I'll bring it up. Keep I think talking. he was af- I think he was coming off his injury. If I remember right. Like when he had missed a couple games. And that was Mitch's story all the time. Primetime games after injuries. Yeah. Without a doubt. Let's see here. I got it. I got it. They play the Packers on Sunday, December 12th. So this was after he missed the games against the Lions and Cardinals. Um, it's a 45-30 to 30 loss. I think the Bears scored most of their points late, if I remember correctly. This was after things got really disjointed, after you had the Thanksgiving situation. Pretty much everyone knew the coaching staff was out at that point. So that's why I tend to look more at that Steelers game, which in my opinion was his best game in the year. And I think Fields coming back the way he did in the second half last week, playing the way he did, staying composed, that's a big thing that he's able to do. I think he meets the moment. I I think that he is just a – you saw it in college. He rose to the occasion yeah. in the big games. I think he loves it. So I'm not. I'm. 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 Be honest. I'm not worried about Justin Fields going in this game at all. All right. So here, this plays into our, our third question. This is a repeat question from last week. Okay. Better gauge here. I think on a scale of one to ten, ten being good. How will Bears fans feel about the rebuild and the direction of their team on Monday morning? If you're saying Justin Fields plays well and handles the moment, I think they're through the roof. So I'll still say nine. I had nine and a half last week. I'll say around a nine because I think the Packers pulled this one out. But if Fields okay. plays well, the vibe is just different. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, you know, I'll disagree with you. I'll say nine. I'll say nine. I think win or lose, they're gonna feel good about it. Okay. Especially when it comes to fields. Like, if they lose, I think it's gonna be more so, ah, uh, okay, what about this that happened on defense? This play they gave up. Concerns more on that side of the ball. But I, I think Fields is going to be all right. I hear your three over-unders. Replays of the Bears' wet sliding TD celebration. Ooh. Two and a half. You're getting what's one the, right off the top. Well, what's the starting point? Like, not pregame? Just pregame at, counts. Oh, like the... Like, like the pregame the, not, show? Not the, not the preview show, no. So when Tariko and Collinsworth come on camera, basically, mm-hmm. to start the game. You might get two right off the bat. Yeah. I'm going to say two. I think there's going to be one right off the bat and then one later on. So I'm going to go under. Under? Yeah. I'm going under, too. I think you get two immediately. Maybe they do one halftime mm-hmm. or three, but definitely two right off the bat. Bears, sacks on Rodgers, two and a half. The Vikings got four on him. You heard Matt Schneidman say he got knocked around a bit. Yeah. Had to work out his neck. You have injury concerns regardless of who is playing up front. You have concerns up front for the Packers. How many sacks did the Bears get on Rodgers? Two and a half. Bears end up with two last week? They did. Yeah. The Lance runs. I'm going to say three. I'm going to say three. I think they get... I think they, they're going to be coming after Rodgers hard. I think they get three. Well, they blitz. They did not blitz. I know they didn't blitz the all. whole game. I think they sprinkle in a Roquan Smith blitz at some point. 
Ooh, he's good at that. Yeah, and it's something. Now he's in a new position, but I think they got to. I think they got to sprinkle that in at some point. This is a good week to do it. Maybe on Lance, the first play of the game. Lance Brick was good at that. All right, last one. Rushing yards by Justin Fields, thirty and a half. He had twenty-eight in a monsoon at Soldier Field. Yeah, I'm gonna go over. I think. Um. I think this is something that they got to keep tapping into to keep the defense on their heels. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go over 30. Yeah, 30 I agree. Half. I agree. I think you'll see a few more design runs. Although the forecast does not look good right now. It looks like another rainy day, potentially rainy day for the Bears to play in. I assume not as rainy, though. No, you're not looking at. I mean, some parts of Chicago got like five inches of rain within an hour. Jesus. Like flooded yeah. basements, flooded streets, cars floating, literally yeah. floating. It was coming down. I, I think I said this Sunday, but so in our we're on the top floor of like our where our studios are in the West Loop, and you could just hear it pounding on the roof. This was like in the fourth quarter, right before it turned into a monsoon at the field. I'm like, oh, that's gonna hit Soldier Field in a couple minutes. And then sure enough, just that's when the whole thing yeah. flooded. By the way, I don't know if you saw me tweet this the other day. I, the word from Soldier Field is the grass is fine. Nice and tall. Might have to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it probably grew a little. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think, um, and I also got this. Up, I think with this type of grass, you do have to make adjustments to the drainage eventually. So, and they haven't done that yet. There was some other stadium where they had to, after they had this turf on for a season, then they had to change the drainage system. So I think that's why you didn't see the greatest drainage in Sunday's game. So if they decide to keep this beyond the season, that probably is an adjustment Soldier Field is going to have to make. Also, let's repeat, you got five inches of rain in yeah. some parts of Chicago. I don't know any grass was going to be fine with that. It's going to flood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always so much water. Have you seen some of the pictures from the stands? The stairs were like waterfalls. The The drainage systems were overflowing, so there was like many waterfalls hitting fans underneath. Kind of surprised the press box didn't flood. Flooded with good ideas. Oh, wow. Nice and dry. So All right, take make- that and think about that for a little bit. I will, Matt. All right. Well, I guess we got to get to our bold predictions. I'll stay with the Justin Fields theme, and, and this might be bold, just given certain criticisms of certain unemployed front office members and coaches that I won't mention by name out there. I say Justin Fields is an outstanding performance. Passer rating over 100, Three touchdowns, accounts for three touchdowns, good completion percentage over 60%. Throwing a bunch of stats out there, but great day for Justin Fields. I don't know if it's too bold, but I'm going to go with your theme. I think he rises to the moment. I'm not, I'm not going to say the Bears are going to win, but he rises to the occasion of a nationally televised game and shows you how he works in this offense. All right, I was going to go that route too. I was going to say Fields gets three touchdowns in this game as my bold prediction. I can give you a second one since that's kind of what you said. I think Cole Komet is on the receiving end of one of those touchdowns. Okay. I, I you know, that zero catch performance last week. 
Um, not great for my fantasy team, I'll say that, but um, they got to find a way to unlock him. And I do think that there's going to be extra. You heard Schneidman talk about you know, their issues covering Justin Jefferson. I think they make some type of adjustment just to make sure Mooney doesn't go off. But the way to counter that for the Bears, I think you got to find a way to get the ball to the tight ends more. Okay. Boy, that sounds like a common theme we've talked about for the last four or five years. Forever. <laughs> it's a straight Burton. Uh, all right. Predictions. You, I you, am, go, you already kind of gave yours yeah, away. Yeah, I've been teasing. I'm going to go 26-24 Packers. I think they cover. Um, we've talked about it. I, I have the line written down here as Packers given 10. Bears getting 10 anyway. You want to look at it. I've seen it at 9, 9.5. Bears are getting a lot of points. I think they cover, though. I think they keep this close. I, don't, I think the Packers have a lot of holes on both sides of the ball. I think the Bears take advantage of some of those hall, holes. But they're still the Packers. We know how this plays out. Until we see it differently. You have to bet on Aaron Rodgers here. They win. Bears cover. Um, so I would say bet on Justin Fields, but the Packers win. Let me phrase that differently. <laughs> Which I think people are still feeling good about then. All right. I'm taking the Bears. Whoa. I'm doing it. I've been kind of hinting at this for a couple weeks. I'm not going to lie. The Packers losing last week has me thinking twice about this now. Um, which is kind of weird since I actually predicted them to lose to the Vikings last week too. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to what my feeling has been all training camp, which is that if you look at the analytics, the Packers actually overachieved by about three wins last year. And they lost Devontae Adams. And they're going to be going through growing pains. And you saw that last week with these receivers. Um, I was a little... There's a couple things where I've been on the fence, and I mentioned earlier I hate having to make this prediction on Thursday, so I reserve the right to change it by Sunday. But the status of the Packers' offensive line is in flux. Hearing Steinman talk, though, made me feel like, okay, even if Bakhtiari and Jenkins play, it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. They're not going to be themselves. Yeah, especially Bakhtiari. They may never be themselves again. Right. Especially Bakhtiari. Right. So I still feel like the Bears are going to be able to create pressure on Rodgers in that situation. Um, you know, fully on brand here, I guess. I, but I really do believe this. I think special teams is huge in this game. Huge in this game. On both sides. Okay. Let's not just completely dismiss what happened last week with our guy. And uh, Carlos Santos. Were those two extra points? that were missed just because of the rain? I think so. I was looking at, especially the second kick closely. I thought his plant foot slipped a little bit, got too close to the ball. That results in a hook a lot of times. But the first one, he sliced it. So is that going to be a problem on Sunday? I don't know. It's something to watch. And then meanwhile, with the Packers, their special teams issues last year, I thought they made a great hire getting Masaccia, who the Bears also wanted before Hightower. They ended up with Hightower. Let's see how that plays out. Remember, the Bears I, the Bears were really struggling. A huge reason why they struggled in the first half off offensively last week was the field position game. They got their ass kicked in the field position game that entire first half. They, they were starting back their own end zone like every time. 
and they got that flipped in the second half. That made a huge difference. So they that this is t- that type of the game where I really think that that matters. If they're going to win this game, they have to have the special teams on point the entire time. But I'm going to stick with my guns. I think the Bears are they can play the underdog card again. Um, things are they they clearly have the buy in. I don't know if it's going to last all season with them feeling this way. But right now they're healthy enough. They're feeling that. They're feeling the hits. The accountability's there, Johns. Got Bears. I still think it's relatively low scoring. 20 to 17. Oh. And the 20 is either because Santos is back on point. Um, by the way, this is like the 700th time this has happened where my prediction does not line up with my bold prediction. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so you're, so you're predicting a missed extra point. He's got it's got to be a missed extra point. Yeah, I I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm I'm about to read everybody a tweet from Larry Mayer. Oh my God! Siesta. You ready, Larry Mayer, friend of the show? Sexy. Kind of. Works kind for of. ChicagoBears.com. Give me okay. one more. What do you got? Um, on Larry Mayer. Oh man, putting me on the spot here. Mm. I don't know if I have another one for Larry Mayer. Okay, do you ready? Okay, (laughs) sorry. You know, this is a very specific moment of silence. All right, this is from Larry Mayer. Thought it would be timely to point out that Brett Favre was 20-4 and four as Packers QB versus the Bears. But then the Bears hired a highly regarded defensive coordinator's coach in 2004 who installed his 4-3 scheme and proceeded to beat Favre in six of eight games over Favre's final four years in Green Bay. That's it. That's the tweet. Obviously drawing parallels to Matt Eberflus, who you just mentioned grades his team very hard, win or lose. The loafing philosophies of Lovey Smith are back in play. Just interesting. I I'm feeling it, Larry. I don't know that that was the right use of that's the tweet, but well, uh, I, th- I didn't think I would have to read this tweet. But with the the pessimism from Matt Schneidman about the Packers, yeah, your pick. Well, I I I stumbled on this a couple weeks ago. I don't. I think we talked about it here. Maybe it was on the other show, but. The last nine Bears head coaches have managed to win a game against the Packers in their first year playing them. And four of those, including Lovey Smith, won in Green Bay. So did Mark Trestman. So did John Fox. Matt Nagy almost did. But then that whole thing happened. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, the Bears. I got one more Larry Mayer one for you. You know, there's some unfamiliar or infamiliar, whatever that word is, non-familiar. Um, uh. I'm familiar with them. Yes, we are. Okay. That's good. Larry Mayer getting them. So we ex- we both expect a good game. Uh, well, I'll say this, because um, we don't really pick against the spread, especially if it's 10 now. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock I it agree. up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. And I did that last week against the 49ers. If nothing else, I think this Bears team is going to be very profitable. 
for those that want to be on the right side of what's really going on. And these lines are still getting driven up because everyone's hating on the Bears still. Last week was a fluke. They won because of the weather. That's it. Don't make me go on a rant about that. I got to save my voice. I'm not saying the weather wasn't a factor. It obviously was a factor. But there's a hundred other things, not a hundred, at least five other things that were bigger factors. Like the penalties that the 49ers had, for one. Um, Just, I had a whole list in my head earlier. (laughs) And you just gave us one. And then I just gave you one. (laughs) Trey Lance. Didn't keep his eyes down the field. He missed yeah, throws. That, that's he what felt it was. Pressure too early. The Bears had the quarterback advantage, so you had the 49ers penalties. I think were the biggest factor. Um, you had the the quarterback advantage that the Bears had. Um, I think just the flip and field position in the second half made a huge difference as well. I think Matt Eberflus outcoached Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. How about the intangible factor that the 49ers didn't look like they wanted to play or finish that game? That may have been partly because of weather. Oh, they played in it too? Yeah, they did. But that was like, yeah, both teams. Oh, that's what it was. And I said this Sunday, the weather cost the Bears five points. Between uh, the two extra points and the towel gate thing. Yeah. Lazy use of towel gate. There's got to be a better better word for that. It really wasn't a gate. It was just... It was a towel on the field. Yeah. A beach towel. <laughs> it was the biggest biggest towel I've ever seen. Uh, all right. So we're locking up the Bears. Let's move on to some other games. We won this game tonight. Adam Hall will be rhetorically dancing in the, with his verbiage. Two outs. Here's Luke Voigt pinch batting. I think my White Sox are toast after yesterday. Fell four back. Not dancing with anything, huh? Not dancing with anything. I don't care as long as Tony. Stay healthy, stay away. Stay healthy, stay away. Just go away. (laughs) All right, Thursday night is a great game. First one on Amazon Prime. If for some reason you are not up to speed on this, the only way to watch the game tonight, folks, is on Amazon Prime. You need to either have a Prime account or I think you can subscribe just to their video if you don't have like the whole Amazon Prime thing and you're not living life the correct way where you can order something and have something delivered an hour later. Anyway, 7-15. Chargers at Chiefs. Great game to kick this off. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet in the booth, which is a fun little tandem there. Um, they also have Ryan Fitzpatrick on their pregame, halftime, postgame deal, and he's been pretty entertaining. And Richard Sherman. They're, they're doing this the right way. Um, they're also supposedly, the players in this game will be wearing like the Amazon chips. And it's going to allow them to provide feedback on your screen like right away. Like how fast guys are running, their separation, like wide receivers, route separation, all kinds of cool stuff. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. And the matchup is great. You got the Chargers going to Kansas City, playing on Tahoma 31, by the way. Grass. Grass. It's grass. Grass. It's grass. Nice grass. What do you got? What do you got in this game? This is a 
speaking of moments, young quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, moments. This is one for Justin Herbert, and he becomes a star. Not that he isn't already, but becomes a superstar, kind of cements his status as a future superstar of this league. He outplays Patrick Mahomes in this one. Chargers win outright. Herbert is fantastic. Throwing balls through keyholes all over the field. Keyhole reference. Big day for Justin Herbert. Outplays Patrick Mahomes. He has his moment. I'm prime. So we do this thing, if you're new here, um, long-time listeners know that we pick these games every week, and then we never pay attention to which ones we actually got right. We don't keep score or anything. It's kind of fun. So there's no consequences here on Hogan Johns. Um, I did happen to notice the last week, because we don't keep score, I have no idea of frame of reference on this. It felt like, yes, last week was one of our better weeks. Like I know we had we were, good vibes on teams or good reads on certain teams? We were wrong about... The Raiders. Didn't we both take the Raiders against the Chargers? So. I know we were wrong about that one. I think we got every other one right. The only one I'm slightly worried about thinking about it. What was the final score in the Eagles Lions game? Uh Lions came back, I believe, yeah. but but not much. Jared Goff was not good. Uh, you know what? We were wrong. Cause that spread was was uh Eagles minus four, and the Lions came back for the backdoor cover. Ooh. They only lost by three. Ooh. But we had a good read on the Lions. I think we got all the other ones right, though. So we'll take it. I think that's a four and two week. That's We'll just so say now, that. We're not tracking unless somebody wants right. to go back and listen. Well, to I'm only tracking and, and we, correct <laughs> when we do well. Anyway, I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm going against you. Taking the Chiefs. I just... They're, they're still the best team in the division. And they Mahomes showed you last week. They blew out the Cardinals. The Cardinals might be bad, by the way. I'm taking the Chiefs, covering the four. They're at home. Give me Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm going with the Chiefs until I'm proven wrong. Kansas City. Boom. Okay. All right, so two words, Aaron Rodgers. Um... Hall of Fame. Two words. Fox, noon, Sunday. The Washington C-Words. You don't like the Commanders? I don't know. I think I stole that from Bill Simmons, by the way. It just came out. I'm pretty sure Bill Simmons said that the other day. Give him proper credit. It's kind of a lame name. I like the Washington football team. They should have just kept it. I know. Could have done better. What a mess of an organization. Against another mess of an organization, the Lions. All those good vibes from Hard Knocks are gone? Oh, it was entertaining. It's just the Lions. It's not going to work. I mean, I'm sorry. Give me what Matt Eberflus is doing with the Bears a thousand times over what the dude is doing in Detroit. Lions are one and a half point favorites in this game. This is a tough one to call. I mean, Washington did some good things last week to beat the Jaguars. I'm uh I'm tempted to take the Lions here. I'm I do them. You are? I just ripped them. Yeah. But I have no faith in the commanders. Carson Wentz. 
Carson Wentz. Yeah. But are Carson Wentz and Jared Goff all that different? No. I'm going to take Washington. I think they're the better coach team. Okay. I'll Especially because the they're getting a point and a half. I'll take the Lions at home. Okay. How's everyone doing? This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. CBS Noon. Patriots at Steelers. The See, Steelers. What? Go ahead. The Steelers Plus are getting two. two points at home. See, I couldn't find like another really good game. Yeah. The Cowboys game I thought of, but Dak Prescott's out, so yeah. took that off. So, let's talk about Mr. Trubisky one more time. Well, it's the same thing with the quarterback matchup. Like, you might not like Mitch, but do you like Mac Jones? No. Mac Jones got banged up last week, too. I don't think the Patriots are that good. Agreed. And the Steelers... I'm taking the points at home with the Steelers. Yeah, absolutely. Every time. I know they're TJ Watts out for, what, six to eight weeks, but... Yeah, that sucks. They're still really good defensively. They still have Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Give me Money Mitch. Money Steelers. Mitch. Maserati Mitch. How do you not take the Steelers when they're getting points at home? I don't know. Have to take them. I think so. You're not listening, Chris. ESPN, 615. Monday night. Back to, We got the doubleheader on Monday night this week. Um, They didn't do a good job of like separating the times on this. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand this there's so there's two monday night games but they're like only separated by an hour anyway titans and bills are the first one so titans in buffalo bills have had a lot of time the rest since that opener you know that was already a week ago at this point this game's not till monday night bills are a 10 point favorite against the titans yeah i'm taking it (laughs) yeah i think i am too (laughs) Yeah. yeah i'm taking it I'm sorry. Like, you got to be able to put up points to play with the Bills. And I don't know if the Titans can do it. I think the Bills' defense is good enough to stop Derrick Henry. They don't have the fireworks to match the fireworks that just Justin feels that Josh Allen will have in this one. Give me Josh Allen and his big hands routing the Titans. His big hands. Now, the only thing I will say is 10's a lot in the NFL, obviously. And I think the argument for taking the Titans would just be, okay, the Bills are probably feeling themselves right now, maybe get a little overconfident. They've had a long time to sit on that win in L.A., and there's usually some kind of adjustment back to the norm. And it's not like the Titans are bad. And they play teams really hard. They play teams really tough. So I'm kind of almost... talking myself into taking the Titans here, but there's like some crazy stat that the Bills haven't punted in three out of their last four games. That's wild. So give me the Bills. I like the Bills. Hey, Lovey, how you doing? Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. <laughs> How's everybody doing? That one's going to come in handy next week. When Lovey comes to town. Oh, yeah. yeah. We need to get the conference call going. We should bring that back just for Lovey. There was... You they played... So Lovey gets smi- smired, fired. And... And smired. <laughs> and smired. 
And they play the Buccaneers like three consecutive years in a row. Isn't that yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Like, like Mark Trestman beat him twice. Well, but didn't he sit out a year before he we went to Tampa? Yeah, I think Trestman only got him there, once. There might be a gap here there. I think he sat out a year before. And he, he got the Tampa. Kyle Long injury game. That was Lovey Smith's team. Chris Connie had a pick six in that game, did he not? Yeah, so Lovey won that game. But Mark Trestman won the first matchup. I remember yeah. that one. Anyway. Well, yeah, because one of them was in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, all right. It's a good game to close out the week. Vikings at Eagles. This is your second Monday night game, which starts at 730. And it's definitely on ABC. I think it also is joined in progress on ESPN once the uh, first game is over. Eagles favored by two at home against the Vikings. Give me the Eagles. Like as much as the Vikings look good, Against the Packers, I almost wonder if that's just the Packers just having some serious roster concerns at this point. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is my guy. I get it. They give me Jalen Hurts in prime time because isn't there some stats about my guy in prime time? There is, and uh, that's why I'm going with the Eagles. The Eagles also have a much better secondary than the Packers do, I think. The Eagles are a good team. Yeah, they are. And I don't really know what happened there towards the end because that was one of those games against the Lions where I was following it during the Bears game. Eagles were up by a lot, and I was like, okay, well, that game's over. And then all of a sudden you see the final score, and it's like, wait, they came all the way back. Um, I'm going to take the Eagles here at home, though. It's going to be a tough environment. Kirk Cousins usually doesn't handle that well. This is a game that the Vikings lose. Sorry. Agreed. Yeah. All right. I think I think you'll stop the conspiracy theories of you being a Vikings fan with this one. Those are out there? Oh, yeah. Who's got those theories? Yeah, I just read the YouTube comments. Oh, really? <laughs> or don't. <laughs> just because I picked them to win the division, I'm a Vikings fan all of a sudden? Yeah. Usually I get accused of being a Packer fan or a Wisconsin guy. Well, you are a Wisconsin guy, just not... Well, I'm a Badger. I'm not... I've lived in Chicago my whole life other than when I was in school in Madison. I just have a lot of family up there, so everyone thinks. And I will say, like, basically my entire family has migrated to Wisconsin or Minnesota. I think you're supposed to head south, but they keep going north. <laughs> my entire family, like, on both sides is originally from Chicago, and now they all live in Wisconsin or Minnesota except for us and my dad. Hey. I don't know. Bunch of cheesehead... I don't know what the nickname is for Minnesotans. They call us fibs. Yeah, there's a swear yeah. word right off the top of there. Yeah. I'm probably a fib, though. I'll, I'll own that. Yeah. No, I definitely embody the fib mentality. Proudly. <laughs> a lot of fibs heading north on Sunday. Yeah, there will be. Including you. Yes. Us. Is, uh, is Kevin making you drive separately? Uh, we are going separately. Oh. Oh, yeah, but you're going from your kids' game. I'm going going to watch my kids' football game, and then I'm going to race up, what's that, 94 and 43 to get there? Yep. Okay. Well, drive safe. We'll try. Enjoy that dark, lonely drive home. (laughs) Or to whatever hotel you're staying at. There you go. 
Alrighty. Uh, well, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. We will have a post-game episode for you. Uh, although we haven't really talked about that. We might have to roll that. No, we'll get it done for you Sunday night, yeah. I think. We'll get it we'll done for you Sunday we'll night. We'll find a quick time. Yeah, we'll knock it out for you Sunday night. And um, yeah, obviousshirts.com. Grab the shirts. So these are in hoodies too. Well, at least this one is. My mine is, and um, it's hoodie season. So make sure you're getting those. Hats are back in stock. I saw some people getting loaded up with the hat and the hoodie. Love it. Obviousshirts.com. We appreciate all the support. Make sure you rate and review the pod. Hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube, uh, and tell a friend. Most importantly, spread the word. Say hey. Make sure you're checking out Hogan Johns. We will be back Sunday after the game. Will the Bears get a win at Lambeau? I fell into the trap again. See ya. See ya. That's your, that's your line. <laughs> that's my line. Bye. The Packers, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Gold Bears.